Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your spurs. I'm ASD. I'm Chris. And I'm Jack. And what a brilliant result. Jack, you said last week you would, you would take a draw all day long, and that's what we got, and it felt like a win. I've definitely said oh, it when we got the winning goal. So Harry Kane said when we got the winning yeah. goal. How are you feeling about it? I was so happy. Honestly, I was so, so happy. Um, it's mixed emotions because I was very frustrated watching large, large periods of the game um, just because I thought that Chelsea tactically had done us. But fair play to Conte for, you know, or I'm sure we'll go into tactics and substitutions and squad depth and all that because that made such a difference. Um, but to to go away to a big ground... And not play, I don't think we were terrible, but not play brilliantly and get a result. I can't remember ever watching Spurs really in that happening. It always feels like when we get a result at an away ground, a big away ground, we've got to be 10 out of 10. But I didn't think we played that well. And to have that resilience and to have dug a draw out where we really didn't deserve it. And we were very fortunate with a lot of the stuff that happened in the game. But that's football. Um, I was delighted like when that equalizer went in it was just it, magnificent wasn't it absolutely brilliant yeah i mean chris you were there how did it feel when the goal went in oh it was fantastic because i think one thing we have to say now that conte is the manager is that we know we're not going to stop and we know how fit we are so we know that even when it comes to 96 minutes and to bring on perisic i don't know if you saw his his stats just for those, I don't know how many how many minutes was he on for. It wasn't many, and let me just find these stats because it was really quite something. He was taking corners with both feet, by the way. Yeah, I don't know right, if anybody yeah. saw that. In yeah. eleven minutes, fourteen touches, four passes, a hundred percent passing accuracy, five crosses, one assist, two chances created, one big chance created. I'm not really sure what big chance means. I guess maybe that's the winning the um, winning goal, the equalising goal. Uh, two ball recoveries and one interception in 11 minutes. He's got a start, hasn't he? He's got but quality, hasn't he? You can just yeah. see it. It's hard, isn't it? Because Sesson Young's been so good recently, but he's got a start. He's got a start. I think I, I think I think Sessegnon did well. I, I think Sessegnon and Emerson both did really well against Chelsea. I think that the problems weren't individual. I think tactically, the way Tuchel set Chelsea up with his box midfield was was it basically that's how you play against a team that has wing backs. And we just we really struggled to contain it. Like all all of them really, the two central midfielders and the two wing backs for the first hour of the game were just getting outnumbered twenty four seven. And I don't think that was because anyone was playing badly. I just think we really struggled with the system. And I th- I thought Sessegnon did I thought he did really really well again. I've been really impressed with how how he's done the last dozen games. But you can see with Perisic just that little bit more composure. And he's just, he's been there and done it as he's played in World Cup finals. You know, he's been around the top European leagues for a while. This, these were the moments that we've brought someone like that in for. When you're struggling in a game and you've got an opportunity, you know, someone that's played hundreds of club games, bring him off the bench. And the stats that Chris has just read out there, you can, you can see why. So I actually think having the combination of the two, it, it works really well. But I thought Sessegnon and Emerson defensively both did really, really well for the whole game. I assume you've all seen the succession meme 
Yeah, it's good, wasn't it? Which, of course, is also excellent, because that's exactly the point, is that that's what you want, is you want the 20-year-old to learn from the 33-year-old and to have that sort of legacy throughout. But, and Jack, and I think you're right in terms of how they set out. And I think that's something that I think from Conte's perspective, he's going to have to look out for because everybody around me was complaining. It's like, you know, they're they're completely doing us. They know. But the thing is, is that teams are going to figure out how to play against us. That's what everyone was saying. Oh, they figured it out. It's like, well, of course they have. So we've got to figure out what we're going to do, because we're now we said it last week. We're now someone to look out for. It's not just us that think we're going to win everything. Like everybody thinks, oh, Tottenham might be a problem. It's not, it's Tottenham lads necessarily now. And so actually we have to know how we're going to address that. And look, it was absolutely glorious. And you saw the the scenes um, at full time. We were in the lower tier as well. But the players went and celebrated over in the corner. I sent you some good pictures of that because I managed to kind of like just wave my my phone around a little bit. But it was incredible because I genuinely thought even at one nil down, I wasn't like I wasn't like, oh, no, we're going to lose this game. I didn't think we were necessarily going to win it, but I wasn't I didn't think all was lost. And I think that's the thing is that that's what Conte's team gives us is a feeling that we could go on and do something. And, you know, Harry Kane scoring in August. That's not yeah. something we've ever seen. We've seen that much of. Uh, the one other funny thing that happened was I took a handheld fan with me. So it was very hot yesterday. And because we were literally in the fourth row, there's a picture of me like smiling serenely with the fan on my face. And that was after the full time whistle. And I'm just like happily like smiling, which I loved. I think, listen, I totally loved it. But there is a reality of being an away fan who cares about things i.e. I'm not up for homophobia and I'm not up for misogyny. And if you're not up for homophobia and misogyny and being in an being an away fan is not fun. And that's not just about being a Spurs away fan. I think it's probably a little bit worse at Chelsea. Yes, because I think of what that rivalry looks like. But, you know, it's not and not just that chant. There was other homophobia as well. And as I say, like many instances of misogyny. So that kind of puts a little bit of a you know, can put a bit of like a dampener on it. But to be fair, because I'm a, you know, I'm a bit gobby, I suppose, for want of a better way of putting it. Uh, I did kind of call a couple of people out and the guys who were particularly bad just moved further down the row. And like, I can't solve everything. So as long as I don't have to hear them, that was better. Um, but I think the problem is, is you do call something out. What's interesting is that everybody comes to turns to me and says, oh, come on, love. Just a bit of fun. Don't make a big deal out of it, as opposed to saying to I suppose it is a difference of like saying to someone who's aggressive and potentially either drunk or coked up that you might have more of an issue if you call them out as well. If you're a, a, a man who's about bystander, but it's not fun being the kind of, you know, and it's like I'm not trying to be a fun sponge. But like, actually, all of that is a massive fun sponge to me. It's like I'm just as much of a Spurs fan as you. What makes you be able to create what that culture is any more than me? So, but having yeah. said all of that, it, it is cool, even though you could never got no idea what's going on up the other end, really. The angles are all wrong. You're completely at the wrong perspective. Being, it is very, it was very, it is quite something to be able to like almost see the muscle definition on the 
players' legs and to be that close to like hear them talking to each other, see what they're doing, you know, all of that. It's like, and there's something kind of, I, I love that as well. And that's one thing that I do love about away games, it's just a slightly different perspective. And do you know what? They were really up for it. I think, you know, Harry Kane called it spicy. And, you know, like, and, and I don't mind spicy. And I don't mind spicy from a fan perspective because it might get a bit spicy, but it doesn't have to be homophobic and misogynist. Yeah, everyone was well up for it. I just, you could see, I obviously agree with all of that. It's it's just disappointing. And it's a difficult one because people will go, well, how do you take away, if you take away that, you take the heart of fandom and the heart of the aggression. No, you don't don't need to abuse people to have that that aggression at all or that support but you can tell people don't swear I'm not suggesting don't like you know shout at whomever I although I have to say um there was some Chelsea players warming up quite near us and these guys literally were just like doing wanker signs calling Madison a wanker whatever like really and I was thinking if you've got jobs and you're in, and that somehow that's on the telly because it really could be, what would your employer think? What if you've got clients? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I would have definitely have been caught doing that at some point. Not even being yeah. funny. Um, yeah. yeah, it's difficult. Isn't it? He just does it. He just does it straight to his clients anyway. I'd, and so. my employers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but overall, from the I think. The really great thing is we need to we need to grind out results, even if we do it, get out, you know, out tacticked, if you like. Mm. Or outplayed. Or whatever. So, you know, for us, it's lucky and Chelsea were unlucky and all the rest of it. If it was Liverpool, it would have been like, oh, that's a title winning team grinding out a result, managing a draw. And then, I, you know, and so yeah. I I will continue with the mantra from the from the two previous uh, episodes of this season, which is if not now, then when? And I think that's this is another great example of it. This is how you win things is by 96th minute winners when you might not have played as well. When I want to make a T-shirt, by the way, out of Romero pulling Kukurea's hair because I think it's hilarious. Um, and do you know what? Did Benton Core win the ball before the yes, he did. first goal? I don't know. I couldn't see it. Maybe he did. Maybe he, he did. didn't. But do you know what? It was 45 seconds. That is a long passage of play. It does not get to inform it. No, no. And someone said, um, didn't they, that the it was so long before the goal that Abramovich was still in charge when it happened, you know, <laughs> and which I thought was particularly good. I, he did get the ball and uh, what's his face was looking for it. I've got no problem with that. My problem is um, Richarlison was definitely offside. And I know it may not be in the rules and that, but he was in, he was interfering with play. Right. And so that that's funny. And the Romero thing is funny. We shouldn't have had either of those goals. So it's, it's just funny when it, it doesn't happen to us anymore. You know, I was sort of say, like how, how impossible referees jobs are, because like I disagree with you, ASD, on both. I thought the Benton call one's a definite foul. And I think Richardson one keep, can easily ball. see it. And got the ball. It, goes, it goes straight through the man first, though. Um, no, he goes around the side. He does scissor him a little bit, but he gets the ball. But, the, but that's the job that referees have got, you know, like we're sitting here not agreeing. It's like it's such a difficult job, but I don't have I don't have much sympathy for them um, or at all anyway. But on the on the first goal, because it's so long before the goal actually goes in. So it's like you can't really moan too much. You know, there's about oh. 
seven or eight passes that then lead to the the, the cracking strike from uh, from our Viking in the middle of the park, who was unbelievable again. By the way, he started the season absolutely brilliantly. I think the way he's marshaled that midfield, I didn't think Benton Core had his best game, um, but you know he's up against Kante. It's always going to be difficult, but. Um, uh, yeah, I just I, I I just think referees. It's just an imp- absolute impossible job for them. The Richarlison offside. I know. I, it's that. It's it's the spirit thing for me. Like if he's not interfering with play, then what's he doing there? Like if if he was onside, would he be taking a touch and hitting it? Yeah, which means the keeper is thinking he could take a touch, which means he is interfering with play, which means he's offside. I I don't see how he couldn't be offside. Forget line of sight. He could influence the play there, and because he could influence the play, then he is interfering with play, even if he's not touching it. Do you know? Yeah, and I, I, I get what you mean. It's just, I just, you know, it's nice to finally get feel. It feels like we finally got the rub of the green in one of those games. It just yeah, always feels really like, care, to be fair, doesn't it? it? Especially against Chelsea, it just always feels like not even necessarily dodgy decisions, but it just feels like nothing ever goes our way when we play them. And to finally have, you know, got that to have, I I knew we had a bad record against them, but it wasn't until they were reeling off the stats during the game. I didn't realise how bad it was. We haven't scored for four games against them. I didn't even realise that. I was like, you know, it's particularly bad. In all competitions, we have won one of our last 38 away games against them. We've drawn 13 and lost 24 games. We've won one and that was that 3-1 this win. That's why it was mad when people were saying in the week, oh, we're going to go there and batter them. And it's like, we're not. We're absolutely not. Like I said last week, a draw all the way through the game at any point, if you'd have offered me a draw, I would have taken it. There yeah, was no yeah. point where, where I would have been like, we're going to win this. I was just like, I was constantly on edge. It's a horrible, horrible fixture. But I, I do think that Conte deserves a lot of credit for adapting and going to a 4-4-2. They were almost alternating systems, weren't they? Because we started yeah. out with a 3-4-3. He had the 4-4-2 box. Then we both swapped. Um, it was an amazing tactical battle, like watching it. I think that is that might be one of the highest levels of like tactics that I've seen in a game for a long, long time. Just seeing managers interfere with games like normally you see it with personnel don't you someone's not playing particularly well and you just bring someone on in a like for like but they both changed it two three times I thought it was it was fascinating to watch it and Richarlison coming on he was an absolute game changer I know he maybe didn't have any brilliant moments like with the ball but what he brought to the game and the space that he freed up for Kane we didn't see Kane drop deep once in the first hour of the match just didn't happen he didn't they they, they dealt with him so well as soon as Richarlison come on and he had someone else up there it was just something else for the centre-backs to think about and just gives me it gives me more confidence that one we've got personnel where we can actually change a game a little bit now but two we've got a manager that isn't so stubborn that he's just going to leave it and he's like no I know best he he was quite happy to say you know what I've been done basically by my opposite number here I'm going to change it and I was watching it trying to think of when was the last time I saw a Spurs team do that. I couldn't think of a time ever, if I'm totally honest. Pochettino, Redknapp, Martin, I couldn't think of one game that I've ever watched where we've gone, we've got this wrong, we're getting beat, let's change it, personnel, let's change the tactics. Couldn't think of one example. So is that is that, a, you know... Uh, a, a new beginning for us I'm I'm not sure but it, it gives me a, a lot of optimism that we can we can do that and we can still not play well and get a result at a ground like Chelsea so it was absolutely brilliant it really really was I just it, 
just felt you can't beat just that late goal, can you? Especially when you know you don't quite deserve it. It makes it even sweeter when it does go in. How salty have the the Chelsea fans been since it? Like there was a petition that he should never referee them again. All this stuff, like just move on. Like it happens to every club. There, there's some mad stats on them though at the moment about their their um their form. They've conceded more goals at home than any other team in the Premier League since the start of April. 14 goals at home in seven matches. That's crazy. And yeah. they've conceded in the 90th minute or more in three of the last six home Premier League games. Like, it, it's just a weird, weird... And they were always going to perform against us. I was really hoping we'd batter them, but they, it, there's just something there, isn't it? I don't understand it, but... Um, can we talk about how we didn't get any yellow cards, how, apart from, obviously, um, the manager? How did that happen? Did we not? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's they, amazing. They got yellow cards. They got like two or three because Reese James could have gone because he he rugby tackled Son a couple of times. Kurella, uh, whatever you say his name, suddenly just turns a prick as soon as you put that show on. He stamped on um, Romero a couple Romero, of times, yeah. uh, which doesn't which people have seemed to be ignoring. Could have just got taken out by one of them. Havertz a couple of, like, but I think the referee was doing a job. Of just keeping the game going, which I, I, I thought it was good refereeing. And what, mm. didn't they, didn't they release a thing before the start of the season where they were going to let a lot more things go in games yeah. now this year to try and get it to flow? And it's like that. That personally, that's that is the type of London derby that I want to see. Do you know? I want to see you know full-blooded teams going at hundred percent. You know, tackles flying in. It's a man's game, isn't it? Players. It's a man's oh, game. Oh, oh, oh mate. Um, what a dinosaur oh, he is. But, oh, but, um, but I do think it's been a good change from the referees. Like I do think it's made for, for much better football um, so far this season. And that, like I said, I want to see my team in a derby. I want to watch a game and you'd be able to get away with a little bit more, you know, especially yeah. in that kind of match. I thought I thought they refed it really well. I don't want the battle of the bridge. thing the Premier League have done is they have like referee assessors and they're, try, they're getting more ex-players to do that rather than referees so the referees aren't marking their own homework and they're getting ex-women because there are enough women players retiring who have played at the top level as well so actually there's some different perspectives and I think that could only that can only help with the quality of refereeing and look Jack you're absolutely right it's like I will never um spend time slagging off the referee because it's a difficult job and frankly every team thinks that the referee is against them yeah. Occasionally, of course, you get a bad performance. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to defend every referee because there are some games where you're like, I don't know what he's looking at. But broadly, they do all right. Yeah, and it's hard. Yeah. And you only remember if you even if you think back to games where referees have had an absolute stinker, like you still forget the hundred decisions that they've got right in that game. You just it, you, I can't even remember the decisions that they got right yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Because you just yeah. don't. But they, they, they very rarely get now the absolute major decisions wrong. Like, we're always going to disagree because that's subjective and that's the sport. The same way as do you and I disagree with the Benton call one. Like, that's just the sport. But uh, you don't get that many absolute horrendous decisions anymore, um, which is a good thing. Just the standard of everything just seems to have gone up, which is great. But I, I, I do think you're right, Chris, having more people that have played the game. They've been calling for that for years, haven't they? Get people that know the game involved with the referees. And maybe we're starting to see that, you know, actually have a proper impact now. Yeah. 
Uh, quite a game for Sun and Kudatevsky, just not their not their game. I mean, Kane was quite quiet apart from the goal, really. Um, what was with? I was that... surprised at Sunny's touches, though. Mm, and that... at the beginning of the game, it was like, what's happened? Mm. The ball stuck to your foot often, but you know, and today it Harry... wasn't. That bit in Harry Potter where when they're playing um, Quidditch, where one of them's doing spells on him from the side, you know, yeah. that was, it was uh-huh. a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but you do that, have to bear in mind with that, that Kulazewski and Son are playing against two of the best wing backs around as well. Like, they're, they're, they're up against the best defenders about as well. So it's like, whilst they weren't... Player, isn't he? Yeah, and like, while Son wasn't quite on his game, like, and you could say the same for Kane, I, I just think that, I think tactically Tuchel is one of the best coaches about. Like you watch him in the big games and he always makes the opposition play the type of game that he wants. I, I do think he's really good at it. And they just got bodies around our front three so quickly. I've never mm-hmm. seen a team smother, especially Kulazewski. I feel like they've really done a number on working him out. Um, so sometimes you just have to say the opposition have just have, have just done well yeah, against yeah. them. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um Last thing, that weird free kick from Sun where it's on the our like front left. I think it must have been in front of you. And I think it led to the corner for the second goal where it, it it's on the left. Sun comes over to take it and he takes it with his left foot. Yeah. And that was weird. Remember, it could have it should have been taken with the right foot and swung in towards the keeper. And then really weird. And then the when our goal could have been one of three players that scored that Kane goal. That was just massive lapse of uh, concentration from Chelsea. But all in all, good win. Uh, Jack, obviously you got it with the draw. Um, got the prediction right with the draw. So nice work on that. Do we do we care about the Tuchel Conte stuff at full time? Something nothing. Yeah. Something nothing. Uh, honestly, I, I'm surprised they got red cards for that. I really am. Like It's a bit of a coming to go. Nothing really happened. No. If you actually look at it. It felt like a classic... Uh, Sunday league post-match handshake after yeah. there'd been a bit of beef. So we've all seen it happen where you go to sort of shake the hands with the other manager and you don't let go because you want to wind them up a little bit. So there was a bit of a wind-up and they got in each other's faces. And I think if you had players squaring up to each other in that same way and sort of pushing and shoving, there would be consequences. So I'm kind of all right with that, there being consequences, because it wasn't the first time either, was it? There was some other to do earlier, wasn't there? When we when we equalised, there was a bit of it as well because I think Tuchel thought that Conte was celebrating in his face, and Conte's like, I wasn't. He definitely was. He definitely was. Um, Did you see when Tuchel celebrated the goal? He ran past him. Yeah. And did you see Conte's Instagram? He said, "I didn't. If I had, I would have tripped you up." Yeah. But you know what you were saying, Chris, about you know this is a Spurs team that don't give in. It's it's 100% down to the manager. If you've got a manager on the sideline that is, do you know what I mean, willing to start swinging for the opposition manager when we equalise, like, you just, giving up is just not an option with him. Like, like, it just doesn't even slip into his mind that you could give up. And it's like, the team definitely, from what we've seen the last six months, is much more of a reflection of Conte now. There's a piece in the Athletics there that Charlie Eccleshare wrote, which is actually really good. And the headline is Antonio Conte's defiance and spikiness is transferring to his Spurs players. Mm. You know, defiance and spikiness. And actually, it contains one of my favourite ever sort of phrases. Um, it talks about 
the you know when we played Chelsea three times in January, it said Spurs have stopped themselves being pushed around by their rivals at the top of that Premier League since that Mensis Horribilis at the start of the year. Huh. I was like, Mensis Horribilis? It's not a term I was expecting to uh, to read. I quite enjoyed that. They're good, those guys, though, the guys at The Athletic. I know it, it costs to subscribe, but their content is really good. Yeah, they're doing really good stuff, aren't they? It, for me, like personally, I work in advertising and the internet. It's nice to see just some good quality stuff written with journalistic integrity. Like, you know, and it, it's yeah. it's there to do the right thing and to call things out. Uh, so I'm, I, I really like The Athletic. Uh, we've and, got the man, and the editor, man, editor-in-chief is a Spurs fan as well, so you can't, uh, can't underestimate that. Take it all day long. We've got Wolves on... Saturday, twelve thirty kickoff. What I like about twelve thirty kickoffs is if you win, it makes your whole weekend good. If you lose, it makes your whole weekend bad. Uh, but we've got them at twelve thirty. Any thoughts on them? Last last result was a nil nil draw with Fulham, so not much to report on there really. They've looked, they've looked poor, haven't they, so far? Mm. Wolves. They 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 haven't. They they lo- they lost at Leeds on the opening day, didn't they? Yeah, um, scored one goal. Jimenez is out, isn't he? And he's a mm. massive player for them. Um, you know, he really sort of does lead the line. Um, having said that, they're they're always a bit of an awkward team because they are defensively pretty solid. So it's like, you know, they're not a side that are going to go out and score three or four. They're, it's always a type of game you could lose one nil. Um, but I mean, I'm confident going into that. Do you know what I mean? We've battered Southampton. We've got a late draw at Chelsea. Like, you've got to be going into that game you know, really, really confident. Um, what was all the Wolves business about, about loaning Connor Cody to Everton? What is that all about? That was one of the strangest transfer things I've seen in a long time. It, it, doesn't he love, he loves them, doesn't he? He loves Everton. There, there's something weird going Liverpool? on there. He's a he Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, Liverpool. He's, oh, he's actually Liverpool, is he? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that then. Um, I just, I just think it's weird from Wolves that like, to loan him, like, if you don't want him, you'd sell him, surely. Like, to, to, to loan him to a team that you could end up in a bit of a relegation scrap with just seems really... I don't know, I've, I've just not really seen something like that happen for a long time. Um, I don't I don't think too much of Wolves, to be honest. Um, Neves is a top midfield player, like, a really, really top player. Um, so he's very dangerous. And they've got a couple of decent wire players, haven't they? Pedro Neto's quite a handful. But, I mean... Apart from that, you expect us to go into that game and, you know, man for man, we're a better side. And, you know, the momentum we've got and the goals that we're scoring, you, you just think, I can't see anything other than a, than a Spurs win. Well, that's what you'd hope. And with this <laughs> team, with this team, that's what you expect to see. But it's always potentially a banana skin. We've played them nine times since November 2018. We've won five, lost three and drawn one. And that should be better. And that's only since November 2018. Not like, oh, over this time. Because I remember, I mean, this was a long time ago. This is probably like in the early 2010s. There was one we lost at home to West Brom, West Ham, Wolves, Newcastle, I think it was. And, you know, that was in the kind of the great, maybe maybe that was Pochettino time. Anyway, I can't remember. But so I always worry a little bit about Wolves. So I remember all of that. But I also kind of list Jack, what Jack's just said is absolutely spot on. And you have to think that with this Conte team, games like this are just going to be a bit different. Mm. I, this is these are the games where we just need to win. I 
the, early in the season that I'm pretty, I'm sure we're going to win. Well, I don't also, care if it's if 1-0. You think, if you think back to last year, Southampton at home we lost, Chelsea yeah, away yeah. we lost, Wolves at home we lost. You know, and I know you can never directly compare season on season, but if we do win at the weekend, that's seven points more from these three games already. You know, just three games in. And you are right, SD. It's important to start well, especially with the World Cup, because I do think the second half of the season, you're mm. going to see a lot more. You're going to see teams drop a lot more points. It's going to be a lot more low scoring draws in the second half of the season, especially in January, mm. where the top sides have just got nothing. They've got nothing left. They're just exhausted. So I think you've just we've got to come out the traps flying and just try and stay as close to the top sides as you can for as long as possible. Just try and hang on in there until the World Cup. Because I do think it, it, this has got potential the second half of the season to be a bit weird, just given what's going to happen with the World Cup. Yep, 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 yep. So wins for all of us. Win two nil. Yeah. Yeah, I think three nil. I think we'll get K. I think we'll get like a rich a day a first goal for the club from someone as well. Um, Liverpool are losing as well. One nil to Zaha right. goal. If you're interested, Apparently yeah. It's a great goal by all accounts. He doesn't. He doesn't score boring goals, does he? He just. He's, he's going to be a very, very underrated player, Zaha. Sure. Do you think? I think there's a lot of talk yeah. about him. Very under. I think if he was a, a top side, if he went to a top team, like I Man United. Tear it up. I like thought United. he'd go somewhere. He went to Man United and didn't do it. He was young though. I just think he's he's. Pinar, he's just a he, the the team is built around him. He, they don't have to win every game. I think he's a bit Neymar as well. But, but I think it, I think he'd be great at a top side. I really do. It, I'd be interested to see where he goes next if he goes somewhere. Can we talk about how bad Man United are and how funny that is? <laughs> My <laughs> word, that just... was. I mean, I I I haven't watched. Um, I, I haven't for quite a while, probably for most of the last season. I don't, I don't, I've just not really had the time to watch other games. But I sat and watched Brentford Man U because I just had a feeling this is going to be, there's something's going to happen in this game. Brentford were incredible. United, what are they all about? I don't know. I just don't like, I know individually they're a team that have got no confidence. And like, I actually feel quite sorry for Harry Maguire watching him because I, I don't think he, I, I thought he did all right against Brentford. Everyone around him was all over the place. And the criticism that that guy is under is just that cannot be enjoyable whatsoever. But Ten Hag's tactics was literally like somebody that's never been involved in football before. I, I just, I couldn't believe, play, playing Christian Eriksen in front of the back four and a five foot nine <laughs> centre back away to Brentford. You just it's, think, what's that all about? Because we, we love Eriksen here. His criticism has always been he is not like the toughest player. He, we always just say, didn't have the heart for it. But that's just, it's not funny anymore. But like, he will not if he's taking a ball. Like, you need someone with a bit of spite. Who, if they're taking the ball from the centre back or from the keeper, because if they lose it, they need to go out and break someone's leg just to stop that from happening. He's the last person you want to be taking the ball on the edge of the box with his back to goal, with his back to the rest of the pitch. And because it is exactly what happened, happened. And I don't understand why you play him, I guess, at an eight. And, and then the previous week you were playing him as a false nine. I just don't understand that's a, mani- that's a manager that doesn't, doesn't know, know his team. Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of um, Hodgson when he was England manager. And he, every single game, it was a completely different formation, a completely different side. And, mm-hmm. um, how 
My my question for you is how long how patient will Man United be with Ten Hag and with the latest project? Because I'm very intrigued. If they're fifteenth in December, are they? Do you know what I mean? Because there's obviously they'll the aim is they'll give him time, but how much time? Do you know what I mean? If he loses his first six, seven games, do they stick with him? Because they've got Liverpool at the weekend, haven't they? They Yeah, and the last three games, they've conceded six, six and four against Liverpool. It could be 10 times worse, I think. Not 60, but it, it could be. <laughs> a, you never a, know. With that Martinez <laughs> at the back, you never know. Honestly, it could get really I've bad. I've got a friend who's a Manchester United fan who's been talking for ages and all through the summer as well about how badly managed the club is. The club, not the football team. Mm. And just what I meant that is, and I'm just looking at one of his latest tweets where it says, MUFC lost to Brighton and Brentford, clubs whose owners made their fortunes from the analysis and application of data, now applying those skills to football. The majority of the Glazer family current net worth emanates from foisting debt onto the club and then milking it for cash. Have you seen that thing about the shares in Man United? So when Man United listed were listed on the New York Stock Exchange on the 10th of August 2012, they had an opening price of $14. So if you put £1,000 into shares on the 10th of August 2012, now on the 10th anniversary, they're worth £814. You would have lost money in Man United. If you did the same amount in Juventus, it's worth two grand. So you get twice your money back. Formula One, two and a half grand. Or the Atlanta Braves, one and a half grand. Like they have reduce the value of Man United considerably because that doesn't even take into account inflation as well so that it is poor it's poor and that, like the they're quite they're respected in the states for what they're doing they just they are just take it sucking money out of that club but the club has is just because uh, they've spent money they spent have they spent more money than anyone else apart from city or something else like the it's um incredible yeah but it's, it's incredible but exactly but it's exactly that mismanagement though there's it's not really there's bad. no strategy there's no thought around it that you know that's it so city and chelsea have spent more since sir alex ferguson retired than anyone else apart so city chelsea and then man united 1.3 billion than liverpool than arsenal but they've barely made any from player sales and they're just the net spend is the highest in the Premier League and they're just a poor team. But that's because they're a commercial team now. They're there to make money. It's not about winning. As we have been, really, we are there to be financially secure. And we and I think we're slowly getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But all my United mates are just saying if they get eighth or ninth, they'll be happy because I wouldn't have any of them at our club. None of them. I think they'll struggle to get top half, genuinely. I can't wait. To, I think we play him on October 19th. I looked it up because I cannot wait to see Sun, Kulitevsky and Kane have a go at that back four. The thing is, as well, you look at United and I know there's been a lot said about Ronaldo being a problem because you can only play one way. I'll be very surprised if Ronaldo's still there when the window shuts. Just who's going to buy him? No one wants I can't, him. I can't, see, I can't see Ronaldo staying for that. Like, who, I, who wants him? But I, I could see him even just like going and playing in a real lesser league to just I just can't see him staying as part of this United project. Right. And if he goes. They they lose their only chance of winning games. Do you know what I mean? Which I know you say what you like about the style, but he still scored. Was it 18, 19 league goals last year? If Imagine even taking that out of that side. Where does that leave them? You know, wow. they're they're in they're in. I did hear and it made me laugh. Can we Jamie O'Hara on Talksport 
what is it? What is that all about? He was saying earlier United could go down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know but what I mean? I Come think on. we all need to just... I, 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 exactly right, Jack. I think we all need to just watch the hubris a little bit because you never know what's going to happen. And they are Manchester United and I don't think... They, they're not going to end up that bad, I don't think. Because we, I, I said this before, we, we were all talking about it under a Laguna Solskjaer, like what a disaster they were. And then they ended up finishing fourth that season when there was supposedly a disaster. I just think, you know, sometimes when you see a group of players and you just think it's not recoverable, like that that core, they've they've had their confidence shot for so long. Like just you look at someone like Harry Maguire and you just think, he probably can't ever be a success at Man U now. And there's a lot of players like that that you just think they're going to have to leave. But the, the issue they've got is no one wants those players. They're on massive wages. Like, how do you get... It's, it's the Undumbella and Lo Celso situation, but multiplied by you've got about 15 or 16 of them. Like, what do you yeah. do in that scenario? Mate, so, it's been, a, yeah. Sorry, I, I've been waiting for Luke Shaw to be a success. Um, and then I realised... We, they signed him in 2014. That's the same year we signed Ben Davis, Fazio, Delhi, Stambouli, Dyer, Yedlin. Stambouli. Yeah. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Didn't he go to PSG? Yep. Um, I think he ended up winning a load of stuff, didn't he? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, it's been that long um, since he's been there and just hasn't done it. We also, we sold Yago Falco that year as well. And oh. Gomez. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. Um, are we Arsenal? They seem to be a bit confident at the moment. I mean, Anybody, okay. They've got they've Bournemouth beaten, and Fulham. They 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 have beaten Palace and Leicester. Like Leicester are terrible though, aren't they? Yeah, and it's like they've start they've started well. They've got two wins, you know. But like, if we'd have beaten Palace away and Leicester at home, yeah, I'd be saying we've had a great start. But I wouldn't be getting too carried away with it. It's the, not being funny, they're the kind of games you should be winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got, so they beat Leicester, they've got Bournemouth, Fulham, Villa, United, Everton, Brentford, then us on the 1st of October, like, and then Liverpool. So they could be really high in spirits because they could realistically win all those games before yeah, us. You'd, ex- you'd expect them when we play them to be in the top three or four, mm. just from looking at those fixtures. But um, there's a, those newly promoted sides that have come up that, Everyone was just writing off. They seem to have a bit of spirit and a bit of togetherness. They're like Forest beating West Ham yesterday, yeah, you know, and Fulham and Bournemouth look like they don't look scared. Like I think of Fulham and Bournemouth in the past when they've come up and you just think in a lot of games, oh, they've not got the fight. They're just going to roll over. But there seems to be something, to, especially Bournemouth. Like I, I think Scott Parker has done a cracking job there. And they really do have a style and they look awkward to play against. Uh, I think that that's going to be a much trickier game for a lot of teams than, than people make out. But there's a lot of sides so far this season that are just surprising me about how well they're doing. And, all, and on the flip side about how, how poor they're doing. Like, you look at Everton. Yeah, it's a you know, like, it? That's another side you think. Well, Everton how... only just got out of jail free, though, last, you know, last season. Mm. Yeah. And they haven't se- they don't seem to have done anything to really address it. there you go cool uh jack do you have a maldini or romero i do i do um it did amuse me when uh 
in the agenda you sent round, it said Jack Maldini or Romero. And I just thought Jack Maldini sounds like an absolute player, didn't he? he um, you were mind still inside. An I choose Romero. Um, <laughs> so I've gone. I've gone high quality this week for the quiz. Um, so for anybody that hasn't heard this quiz before, firstly, where have you been? Um, but basically, you get a point if you agree with me. So I'll give you two players to choose from. If you agree with me, you get the point. Um, like I said, I've gone high quality, so I've I've basically done uh, a four four two ish formation, and I've picked two of arguably the best players in the Premier League era that have played in those positions. Okay. So you've not you've not got your Timothy Atuba versus Gilberto this week. Unfortunately, as entertaining as it is, I've gone high end. So we'll start off with the goalkeeper. Both of these two are uh, are current Premier League players. Both Brazil internationals, and it's um it's Allison or Edison. So Chris, I'll come to you for this one first. Allison or Edison? Allison, I prefer his hair. Uh, just Allison, I think he's more complete. Yeah, correct, Allison yes. uh, is the correct answer there. One one. Right. Um, right backs. Trent Alexander Arnold or Gary Neville, ASD. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Chris? And I'd go the same, just athleticism just and just generally kind of not being Gary Neville as well. That helps. Uh, of course, it was the correct answer. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, there are still absolute lunatics out there that would have Gary Neville in a Premier League all-time side. Did when you see his like, breakdown yesterday? Where he had a bit of a go at yeah. Jamie Redknapp about, but I just thought he, 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 it wasn't a good look on him yesterday. He's a bit emotional. I, I don't, I love him as a pundit, but when United are on, he's a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's like he can't help it. You know, it's his club. He loves it. But you, you just see how like drained he looks when he's on for a United game as well. It's just, yeah, it's not, it's not a great look for him. Um, Chris, he came up, um, just as an aside, he came up in my TikTok one on holiday with his family and it's basically him with the selfie stick like oh. making TikToks and his daughter just got, spending the whole time going dad you're so embarrassing uh, but like in a way where you're totally like on her side yeah you know you know there's a problem when Phil Neville's the cool uncle you know you know that you know there's an issue um Chris uh Virgil van Dyke or Rio Ferdinand oh that's a good one I kind of feel like a lot of people would say Van Dyke because they talk about him being the all the all the complete sort of defender and how much he's transformed Liverpool. But I don't think you can underestimate what Rio Ferdinand did going from Leeds to Manchester United and how he transformed that team and what that team went and did in the Premier League much more actually than the current Liverpool team have. So I didn't know what my answer was going to be, but I've just talked myself into Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> Oh, I was going to be real because he's just the longevity. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rio. I have to go Rio. Yeah, you're both correct. It is Rio. Yeah. Um, Rolls Royce of the centre half. I still think just on an individual level, I think Rio's a better player than Van Dyke. I, ju- I just do. I just don't. You know, Van Dyke's probably the best around at the minute, but Rio was that level for such a long period in a team that just dominated everything. Um, can, we also, can we also say that? Um, Sorry for interrupting, mate. Is that, you know, one of the things about Harry Maguire, you know, it's not how much he cost. You know, there was a big amount of money. Rio Ferdinand was bought for 
British record deal for thirty million pounds, if I'm correct. And he stepped up and he delivered, and he was the leader that he was expected to be. He was a young man then. I, I, I don't know. I know it's one individual versus another single person, but I mean that that is the difference between class, and that's what Ferguson was buying, I think. Um, ASD, the, the next centre-back is uh, Vidic or Tony Adams? Well, one had a problem with Torres, didn't he? And one had a problem with Drink. So I'm going to go... If I've got... See, I think... Like, you have a look at Adams. Adams is an, in, an incredible footballer. And I, I think in his mind... Oh, I'm going to go Vidic because him and if I've got Ferdinand, I have to have Vidic. Yeah, I'm with ASD. It's like I have to go Vidic just because I can't pick Adams. Well, you've both dropped a point there because I've gone for Tony Adams. Um, unbelievable player. I never feel that he gets credit for how good a player he was as well. Everyone just, you know, sees him as a big brute at the back. Brilliant with his feet as well. But I mean... All of those four centre backs, Van Dyke, Rio, Vidic, Adams, I mean, you can't really go wrong at all well, with um, any of those. I've got a Tony Adams story, it doesn't involve a petrol station, but it does involve my cousin in Finsbury Park who saw <laughs> what he th- who he thought was a homeless guy on a bench. So he went and bought him a cup of coffee and he sat next to him and took him this coffee and it was just actually Tony Adams after a bender. Let's see. But they sat and had a cup of coffee together and he said he was actually quite a nice fella. He's meant to be really lovely. Uh, I listened to, so I've been listening to a bit of the James English podcast. I'm done now. Every now and then I get into it. He, he interviews like bad lads and stuff like that. But he, he also interviews some celebrities and he did Paul Merson, which basically broke my heart because that man is broken. He's got no money. Um, but he talks about Tony how Tony Adams sorted himself out, was like on the straight and narrow after realising his mistakes. So he just sounds like a nice guy. Jack, how many um, Arsenal players have you got in your fancy league team? Zero. You're not allowed any. Why, why is that? You can't have Arsenal players in your fantasy football Why team. can you have them in your Maldini or bloody Romero? Because I, I make the rules. <laughs> Actually, that might even be a point deducted. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I can't remember whose go it is. I think it's, I think it's you, Chris. Um, it's Chris but we're, we're on the left back. Um, Ashley Cole or Dennis Irwin? You know what the, the astonishing thing about Dennis Irwin is no footballer before or since has ever looked so much like someone's dad. <laughs> so good. Having said that, I and I know he, he played for both Arsenal and Chelsea. I think Ashley Cole was, an, you know, like in terms of being a left back in the Premier League era, he's definitely up there in terms of being one of the best. And I think that What's interesting about him as well is that he wasn't actually left footed. He worked on his left foot because they, you know, like he knew that actually that was probably going to get him, you know, like build his career better. And um, Monica, my late wife, used to work with his mum and uh, and she actually taught Ashley when he was little and he was never allowed to play on the school teams because he was too good. Mm. And he was obviously already playing for Arsenal and stuff. So there's enough like Ashley Cole kind of, stories in my head for me to pick Ashley Cole and I know that goes against by the fact that I also had a Tony Adams story and I wouldn't have picked Tony Adams but go figure there's no consistency in this is there Ashley <laughs> Cole. there's no logic yeah yeah I remember there was it was on like FHM and 
it was a picture of Cheryl Cole, Tweedy, whatever her name is, and it just had the headline, would you cheat on this woman? And the, it's always stuck with me because the idea of w- if cheating is on a scale of how attractive the person is, oh, or how no. f- ridiculous, but I, I hate cheating. I, and that, so I'm going, I'm going Irwin, Jack. Uh, you'd be correct, ASD. I've gone for ah. Dennis Irwin. Um, I think that, that that guy was an incredible right-footed left back, good from free kicks, you know, could score from set pieces, great defensively, played every single game, never suspended, never injured. A brilliant player, like an, a key player in like that dominant 90s United team. Um, he, he was incredible. Ashley Cole is probably the best one-on-one fullback maybe there's ever been in football. Um, but I think Dennis Irwin's all-round all game slight, slightly edited for me. Um, let's move on to midfield. So right-hand side of midfield, um, ASD, we've got uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, or David Beckham. I mean, forgetting, you know, the fact you can't say no to Ronaldo, D-Beck is like one of my favourite players of all time. Yeah, I'm he's with... A, he's a beautiful man. 100%. And, I know From a the... right midfield perspective, who I forget, I mean, obviously I wouldn't pick Ronaldo, but how could you not pick Beckham? It's 100%. Beckham. 100%. It's, I've gone with Ronaldo. I'm sorry both of you. I'm happy not Ronaldo. to take a point on that because you're I've so wrong. I've gone with Ronaldo. Um, arguably the greatest player that's ever played the Premier League. Um, let's move on to central midfield. We've got the age-old debate, uh, Lampard or Gerrard, Chris? Gerrard. Gerrard. More complete oh. player and also not Frank Lampard. You both drop points. I've gone Frank Lampard on that one. Goals. You're dropping so many points of respect here. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, I'd have Frank Lampard every day of the week over Stevie Frank G. Frank. Um, Absolutely not. ASD, Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira? Vieira. Keane's just a bully. And I think Vieira actually was a better footballer. I go with I've, I, I know just all I'm doing is agreeing with ASD, but I think he's right. Uh, you're both wrong again. Roy Keane <laughs> is the correct answer. This is this next one's the is the interesting one, Chris. You're you're first with this one, which is Paul Skulls or Kevin De Bruyne. Paul Skulls, hundred percent Paul Skulls. I I just think about Paul Skulls. I think about that volley from a corner. What his ability, like the just the stuff he used to do with the football. It's incredible. It didn't matter they couldn't that he couldn't tackle what a player Paul Scholes was and I think it's got to be Paul I don't I don't think De Bruyne's there maybe De Bruyne will get there but he's not there yet Scholes yeah I mean that coming out of retirement to play for Man United to get the winner against was it against City although that year that's years ago and all that but and he makes you feel like Anyone can play. He's just a yeah. little ginger fella. But for the sake of the, I and I'm nine. I would bet all my money that Jack's put got skulls. But for me, De Bruyne does magical things with the football. Um, but he's never done it on the international stage. Well, I guess skulls wasn't brilliant. I'm going De Bruyne. I went Paul Skulls. Yes. I've cha- I changed my mind so oh. many times. Oh, I've no. changed my mind so many times on this, but I went with Paul Skulls. Initially, I was like, like I, I genuinely think like Skulls and Keane are the two best central midfielders in the Premier League that I've seen. But then I was like, but De Bruyne is just, oh, like, he's the only one that I think potentially you would take over Skulls. But I agree with what Chris has said, just not quite yet. Maybe in a couple of seasons' time, um, but it was a close one. Um, ASD, Jack. Can I just check? Can we draw? Four, four. 
Yeah, it's a Spurs classic. I thought I'd made two mistakes. But can I also say... Yeah, never mind, never mind. Uh, ASD, uh, we're on to the strikers now. Thierry Henry or Harry Kane? Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Yep, you're both correct. <laughs> uh, that was definitely one with my heart, not my head. Uh, and then Chris, Chris, Wayne Rooney or Alan Shearer? Rooney. I know that, I know that Shearer is supposedly the eponymous number nine, but Rooney could do it all. England's top goal scorer. He can do it all. He could play a nine and a ten and Shearer could only play a nine. And frankly, in that final year at Manchester United, he was basically playing quarterback. And I think what a talented player. And any, apart from anything else, actually, that goal he scored to stop Arsenal's unbeaten run when he was only 17 is enough to put him at the top of this tree. I agree. Rooney is my probably my favourite English player of all time. He is who I'd want to be if I was a footballer. And I know when Jack does these things, he makes teams that work rather than just 11 of his favourite players. Mm. And I think if he's chosen Kane, he would want Rooney rather than another Kane. But I'm going to go Shearer just because otherwise we're drawing. And I'd I'd rather lose. Nothing wrong with the draw, ASD. Hmm? Nothing wrong with the draw. Yeah, I prefer a draw to lose. It's a bit of interest in it. So Shearer... I know. Uh, I know. Rooney was the one I went with. So it's six five to Chris. Um it that was an, another really difficult one. I mean Shearer's goal scoring record is fen- like phenomenal, freakish. Do you know what I mean? That people are saying Kane's gonna break it. Kane is still about four or five seasons away from it. That's how many goals Shearer scored. But Rooney was games. just Yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, I just find it difficult with anything to not pick Rooney in any of these football scenarios. It's really difficult to not say Rooney's the answer. Um, so that's six five, six five to Chris, but that was a that was a pretty tight one. Um, last question, which could save it: uh, mm-hmm. Ma- Maldini or Cucurella? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> is it me? I'm going Maldini. <laughs> I think Maldini too, but isn't it supposed to be Maldini or Romero? It is meant to be Maldini or Romero. Well, Jack, 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 Mal, Jack Maldini or Romero. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think any, I don't think anyone's taking Jack Maldini. Um, <laughs> so there you go, six six five to Chris. Uh, well done, Chris. This week's. Is that the first time I've ever beaten you, ASD? It's only the second time I've ever lost, and I lost the first one in really dodgy circuit, like Chelsea level circumstances. And He's signed honest, the Anthony Taylor away, petition. You threw away the draw in that one, to be fair. Yeah, it was I enjoyed the competition. You bundled you know. in an own goal right at the end <laughs> yeah. for some type of sportsmanship, which I don't yeah. understand. But there you go. No, no, no. Um, that's good. I'm. I've realised I'm not actually a member of the fancy Premier League thing yet. I need to. What's the code? I need to. I need to sort that out. Are you uh, not on there? I thought you were on there. I'm not sure if I'm actually on it. Can I say? Did you see Harland had two touches with, uh, in the whole game? Uh, and that's the fewest touches any outfield players ever had, or any players ever had under um, uh, Guardiola. Well, all um, I know is I thought I'd made or made all these substitutions, and I thought that I'd got Rodrigo, so I was like all smug, going, "Look at all my points that I'm going to have." And then I logged in and realised that I hadn't transferred him at all. Oh no! Brilliant. Yep. Jake Honestly, I was really... so smug as I logged in, and then. Are you still top, Jack? Uh, I'm not, no. I've not had the best week, but I've got Salah as captain this evening, so we'll see. It could all change in the second half, depending on how Liverpool do. Who is top? 
Adam Young, a manager of my Saturday football team, is currently top of the league, which is awful. Like we, he he can't win. Like we just can't have it. I'll have, I'll have to. I mean, I'm admin, so I can always just take him out if he is top last week. <laughs> <laughs> that makes Love rules. It. All right, uh, Chris, Jack, thank you very much for your time. Any anything else? Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Well, thank you. Uh, I hope to be speaking to you in a week after a smash, smashing win of the Wolves. And uh, whatever happens, don't forget, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.